We start a brand new series today called Comfort and Joy. In fact, I'm so excited. Um, I don't know if y'all know this or not. We've been highlighting this for a couple of weeks. I actually give you my notes for free ahead of time. So if you have your phone, um, do me a favor, just humor me. I know this is, might be a little unique, but uh, take out your phone and get the camera, little camera button. Just get, get it if you can. I know, humor me just right now. I just want to show you how cool this is. We give them to you for free. Now, if you have the YouVersion Bible app or the Bible app, it'll open up those notes. But if you don't, it'll go to a website that has my notes on them. So go to that QR code. I'll give you 10 seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. Go to that website and you can actually see where I'm going. Because I know many of you are like, you talk really fast, slow down. I've tried for 20 years. It hadn't worked. So you will get all my notes. In case you miss something, you can go there and back to reference it, and uh, you'll get them ahead of time if you want to follow along. So we start a brand new series today called Comfort and Joy. Comfort and Joy. Of course, it comes from the Bible verse that says we green break tidings of comfort and joy. And we want to talk about for the next two weeks those two topics, comfort and joy. Today we're going to talk about comfort. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're, watch, if you're reading online or if you're checking on your phone, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And, and if you don't know anything, before I read, I want to give you some context to what we're about to read. Now, um, what's interesting about the Bible is it's not a book. It's a collection of books. It's a, a book, collection of books is broken up into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the first half. The second half is the New Testament. And starts, the New Testament starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are narratives, they're stories about the life of Jesus. And then it moves into Acts, which are the stories about the early church, then into what we call epistles or letters from a man who was an apostle. An apostle, all that apostle means is that he planted churches. So he planted churches all all around the area, and his name was Paul. And Paul wrote letters back to the churches that he planted. And what he would do is he would correct theology, he would help encourage them. He would be like, it would be like the weekly email or the address from YouTube saying, hey, make sure you guys keep up the good fight and walk it out. Because remember, at that time, the local church was a new concept. And so he's helping pastor these churches. In 2 Corinthians, he starts off his letter talking about comfort. And I think I'm going to decipher why in just a moment, because um, most scholars believe that Paul was not doing well. He was suffering physically, mentally, emotionally. He was fighting the fight that we needed to have so that we could have local church now. I mean, he was starting something that was brand new and not very celebrated in this time. And he was suffering. And most scholars believe very, very, very hard, hard life. And Paul writes these things. That's the concept. That's the context you need to know about this letter. Y'all ready? Everybody say, I got it. All right. Number 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praise to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, just that alone from Paul is like, I don't necessarily do that. When I get into a car accident, I don't look up to heaven going, All praise to God, Lord Jesus Christ, right? Like when bad things happen, you don't do that. I don't do that. But he goes on. He said, God is our merciful Father and our source of all our, there's our word, comfort. He comforts us in our, all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Y'all getting the theme here? He says, even when we are weighed down with troubles, even when your wife talks crazy to you, even when your husband doesn't listen, even when your kids run off, even when you didn't got no money, even when you got sick, he says, no matter what happens, it's for your comfort and your salvation. You're like, Paul, really? I don't make no sense. 
That's not in my theology. No one wrote, hey, you know what I noticed? Nobody makes that into a bumper sticker. I ain't seen nobody share that on their Facebook wall. Talking about hashtag bless. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. And then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. Verse 7, we are confident that as you share in your sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. And then he wraps it up with verse 8 and 9. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters. He goes, I want you to know all those that I planted about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Maybe the most, like, amazing verse Paul could have ever told me. Because I don't know if you read the Bible from some of these guys and you're like, this is written by a man of God who has had nothing wrong go on and believed God all the time and never doubted on him and never thought he wouldn't make it. He was always believing God. No, no, he just told you, we thought we'd die. We was so bad Life was so bad, I thought I was not going to make it. I thought the God that I serve, the one I'm talking to you about, didn't exist. I thought I wasn't going to make it. He said, but as a result of my suffering, as a result of God's comfort, as a result of the goodness and the strategy that I had, as a result of being a Christian and doing all that, man, I stopped relying on myself. It brought me to the end of myself. And I learned to rely on God who raises the dead. If you're taking notes, the title of the message today is called His Comfort. His Comfort. Let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord. Thank you that you're good and that I'm not. Thank you that you have enough to give us and that I don't. Thank you that I'm up here as a servant of the, of the grace of God. And I pray that even though I've created messages and notes on my sermon, I, they don't matter unless you don't show up. So Lord, you show up. Get me out of the way. Make this be relevant to us so that we get affected in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. Um, one of the things I love to do with my family, I have traditions, and uh, we love to go on trips, and my wife and I like to take our kids on trips. We like travel. And so my wife and I, um, we, we, every year at Christmas time, we go to College Station. It's a really cool place um, out in, in College Station. It's like, really, it's called like Disney World for Santa. It's really what it is. It's like Christmas Disney World. And, and so it's a big area, a bunch of lights, and we go out there, and there's food, and it's kind of like a giant carnival amusement park area. And so we go and do it every year. And uh, one year, a couple years back, my, wa- my, my wife and I, we went, we invited my parents. And so my mom and dad, are, they live here and they, my parents love my grandkids. My grandkids love, or my, my kids love their grandparents. In fact, what's so funny, how many of y'all, like, like whenever I had kids, I stopped existing to my mom and dad. Like I used to be cool. They used to love me. I'm pretty sure I was loved as a kid, but at, when I have a kid and they get grandbabies. Come on, how many of y'all grandparents out there, y'all know what I'm talking about. You like your kids, but you love them grandbabies. And so they, they love to spoil them and have fun with them. And, and so we went to the, this uh, place and it was really cool. And we're in the food area, the food court area. And then we're eating like some Texas barbecue because that's what you do in Texas. And so we're eating, we're eating around the table. And my mom was off in the distance. And I didn't notice because it was dark for a long time. My mom was off in the distance. So she walked up and the lights were on inside this barn area. She walks up and my kids start giggling. And I was like, and they were looking at Grammy. They call her Grammy. And I said, what are y'all giggling at? And my son comes over, and just as my mom walks up, she, she stands there, and, I, and, we, and he whispers this statement into my ear. And I was like, and I looked, I did a double take to him, and I looked at my mom, and this is what, I snapped a picture I wanted to show y'all. I asked her for permission to show this to you, just so y'all. 
no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. So this is what she looked like. And so um, now this looked like a seemingly normal picture, right? So, so ever say, oh, like it's my mama. Yeah, it's okay. Let me zoom. Let's zoom in. Let's zoom in. If you zoom in, that's her shirt. It's got like a bunch of stuff on it. And so I'm like, what is going on? I look over at my mom and my son. He repeats what he says into my ear out loud to the whole, almost like the entire amusement park could hear, Grammy, you got dog shed on you. <laughs> What'd you say? And my, 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 my other sons were like, ha, and I said, what'd you say? And he said it louder, which by the way, probably the wrong question as a parent to ask a kid who you thought just got fresh mouth to ask him to say it again. He goes, Grammy's got dog shit on her. And I was like, oh my God, what did you just say? He goes, no, look. And he goes up to her sweater and he goes, She's, it's shed. And my, my, my wife goes, shed, duh. Shed, duh. I go, son, come over here. I got to teach you how to say that because that's probably not how we as a Grijalva say things like that, right? Because Grammy had dog shed on her. Now, isn't it true communication matters? Language matters. In fact, like if I could come up here and I'd say something cray, like I drop an F-bomb or something. You guys would be like, oh, okay, this one of them churches. You know what I mean? Like, y'all be walking out, two fingers up, peace, Pastor. We, you know. In fact, some of y'all, when I said that story, you're like, it's a little close. A little close, Pastor. I was getting my email out right now. And I think Paul, in this verse, what do you, you know what he's doing? He's clarifying communication of a concept in Christianity. Because when I say godly comfort, you know what I think of? The lazy boy. Anybody got a lazy boy? Anybody got the man chair? Anybody got one of those? I ain't got one yet because I don't want my kids to sit in it. I'm going to buy one. The last kid walks out of my house, that's the first thing I'm buying is a lazy boy. I'm going to have my chair. And, um, but he's clarifying what godly comfort looks like because it's not that. When I say comfort, you think comfortable, right? You think no problems. It's all good. No issues. I mean, God is going to bring his godly comfort in, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be one of them people walking through the, the, you know, the fields with the lilies. The skies are blue. Life is good. They got that song playing in your, you know, behind you, you know. Because I'm happy, right? You know, like, <laughs> you just got Pharrell's playlist going. But, but, but Paul, in, in this verse, it's odd what he does. He's, he talks about comfort in a weird way. He's like... No, no, no. Here's what it looks like. And if we don't communicate this, who is he talking to? The church. Because he wants them to know what godly comfort looks like. Because if you don't know what it looks like, you can be expecting it to look like something else. It could be a lie in your mind of what godly comfort really is. So one of the lies I hear a lot as a pastor, we think godly comfort removes our issue. Like, you are, well, you have a problem. You look up to heaven. God, I don't like this. You remove it. God, you put in your faith coin into the godly vending machine, and he pushed out the removal of your issue. 
And the problem is, is that when he doesn't, which if you've lived long enough, life is pretty good about giving you situations that God doesn't step into and fix. And he doesn't remove it. And then what you start to do is you question God. Does God love me? Does God know he's even here? Does God know what I'm even walking through? Does God even care? In fact, we can push it so far to where we go, does God even exist? It's a danger because you started with the wrong premise. You end with the wrong conclusion. It's a lie. That's what Paul's talking. That didn't see. None of that came out of Paul. When you pray, God's going to bring you. Just take it away. Another lie I hear a lot is that God, if God doesn't remove your issue, godly comfort will fix your issue. So sometimes we lower our bar for God, right? We're like, okay, God, don't remove it. If you're not going to remove it, then just fix it. Like, can you at least just fix it? Can you fix her? She's crazy. Like, I married somebody different. Can you fix him? He don't listen. I don't understand. I was pretty clear. I even put the hamper next to his bed on his side. I have a funnel from the bed to him. Now all he has to do is, you don't have to look. Can you fix him? Is anybody brave enough? Any lady in here brave enough to talk about, you prayed to ask God to fix your man. Anybody else? Right? I know my wife's asked. I know. I heard it. I've walked in on it. Lord, you better fix this man. He, you better, you better fix him. Because if you don't, I'm going to kill him. I'm like, babe, what do you want? Roses, what? Right? Y'all know you push it too much. And the danger if he doesn't fix it, you know what that really does? If you think that God's only in your life to fix all your issues, you become really lazy. You do kind of funny Christian things like, well, I'm just going to pray about it. Like you got you and your issue and you think God's going to remove, you treat him like a, a holy divine lifeguard. You treat him like Santa instead of your savior. So what's comfort then? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of creating a tension here, right? Because I probably destroyed a little bit of your sacred cows on how you see God. Because you're like, well, if that ain't him, then I guess I'll try something else. Well, what is comfort? The Greek word for comfort here is uh, periklesis. It actually means a calling to one's aid or support. So when Paul was talking about comfort, what he was saying, he was saying, hey, look, 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 God is going to bring you divine support in your moment. He might not remove it and he might not fix it, but it will be comfort. So that leaves us with the tension of knowing what it looks like. Because if you don't know what it looks like when it hits you, you won't recognize God being there. So I want to, as a pastor, I have to, I have to teach you this because you'll miss it if you don't know what it looks like. So the first, I'm going to give you three things that godly comfort does. You're taking notes, three things. Number one, number one, godly comfort gives us wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. This is important. This is, this comfort looks like this. This is a supernatural knowledge on what to do. Isn't it true? Most of our distress comes from not knowing what to do in a bad situation, Right? So like, let's say something happens to you and you're like, oh, I don't know what to, what no one ever says, I know exactly what to do. I'm so stressed out. What do we always say? I don't know what to do. Well, how do you know what to do if you don't know what to do? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What do you do when you don't know what to do? 
You rely on godly comfort. That's what it looks like. In fact, Paul talks about it. He says, I'll praise to God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. And I like what he uses here. He says, I, he's the source. Everybody say source. He's the source of all comfort. So many times what you and I will do, we'll have an issue and then we'll get to the end of ourselves. We'll try everything. We'll try our carnal knowledge. We'll try biblical or not biblical knowledge. We'll try, you know, earthly knowledge. We'll try web. We'll try chat GPT, a little bit of Google. We'll try We'll throw a little bit of a, a movie we saw on how to deal with bad kids and you'll put all that into it. It won't work. And then you'll go to God. Right? Or is that just what I do? That's my process. Something happens, and he's not the source of my comfort. He's one of the options. Source meaning the beginning, the genesis, the starting place of where I go when I don't know what to do. I like what Matthew chapter 6 says. This is Jesus talking. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. The Greek word there for all, you know what that means? All. You're welcome. Other translations, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first, not second, not third, not 18. Seek first the king. Like when I have an issue, I go to God with that issue. I seek first, like what, what does the Bible have to say about my children and how I raise them? What, what does the Bible have to say about how to be a husband to this woman that you gave me? This woman that you, this woman that you gave me. Seek first the kingdom of God on how to actually deal with my finances. And no, what, what does God say to me to do about my finances? Because I tried everything. I try to do it my way, but I got to seek first the kingdom of God and what it says to me. I don't give, I always tell this about the church. I don't give to the church because I'm a pastor. I give to the church because I'm a follower of Jesus. So I seek first. He has something to say to me about my finances because by the way, he's the one who gave them to me. So I got to seek first because that's where the source comes from. It might come through my, my job or my boss or my company, but it ain't the source. It might be the funnel on how God gets it to me, but it ain't the source. And so you will, can be filled comforted with your money in a moment of distress on what to do with it simply because you know where it came from. Because I started first with God. So I got to start with Jesus. I got to start with him. And if I don't start in the right place, come on, if I don't get lined up in the right place, y'all hear me? Even if I do good things, it won't turn out good. Has that happened with anybody? Like in a situation where you did a right thing, but it was the wrong thing for you, and the wrong thing happened. I went and had golf lessons recently. I'm confused. I play golf a lot, and I'm not good. I work out. I have muscles. I have, I'm athletic, okay? Any amen? None? One? Oh, okay, one? B babe, not even from you? Anyway, it's not about me, okay? Uh, I'm just not good. So I go to the left. I'm like, can you help? So they, look, they hook me up to every device you could think of. It's amazing. I mean, it measures 
angle of attack, the spin rate on the ball, like whether or not my hips shifted. I mean, it can, it, it just, how far I rotate. I mean, the speed of the club, uh, the speed of the ball leaving the club. I mean, it has everything. So he goes me through these little things. I mean, he's like, all right, set up, hit that ball. I want you to hit this ball to that pin, this tall metal pin. I know what I'm doing. I walk in there. That's funny, too, because I go into a place where I feel like I know what I'm doing, but I have to fake that I know what I'm doing to the guy who actually knows what he's doing so that he can help me figure out what I don't know what I'm doing. Does anybody else do stuff like that? You go to the doctor and you're sick and you're like, but I'm okay. I'm really, honestly, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. So I set up. Man, I got perfect form. So I hit the ball. And it goes nowhere near the pin. And I look up at the screen. It's crazy. I know what my numbers need to be. They were perfect. Perfect. The spin rate was right. The angle of attack was right. Every measurable thing that you could see on the screen was exactly where I needed it to be. And I looked at the dude and I said, you don't know what you're doing. This thing's broken. Something's wrong. It didn't go where I wanted to go. He goes, oh, well, I'll tell you why if you want to know. I'm like, well, I'm paying you for this. Tell me why. He goes, well, it's pretty simple. You weren't aimed at the pin. You were aimed 20 yards right of the pin. And I said, no way. I went back in the thing, and I'm telling you, I felt like I was right in line. He goes, you were just a little off. And he goes, and what you might be, look like a little off right here becomes way off up there. And so he goes, he goes, you can do everything right in the moment, but if you're lined up wrong, it'll still not get where you're trying to get to. Here's what that means for you and I. The wisdom to know where you're lined up is what matters the most because it matters where you start. We're so focused on everything else. You're so focused on how to get it. Well, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to do that. You're focused on what to do. You're not focused on where you got what to do. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so if you're focused on all the other issues and knowledge, you went to Google and you went to a movie and you went to what your mama said, you could be doing a good thing, but it's not right for you. And wisdom at the end of the day is knowing what's right for, for you, not what's right. Because I could do something in my marriage that could be right but it could be wrong for you and the woman that you married. Maybe you married someone who just wants to do everything you ask her to do. Lord didn't bless me with that one. I'm going to have to pass to my wife differently than you will. Some of us are lined up wrong in our marriage. Some of us are right lined up wrong in our health. Some of us are lined up wrong in our career. Some of us are lined up wrong with our money. Some of us are lined up wrong with our kids. Some of us are lined up wrong with our spiritual walk. Some of us are, wind up, are lined up wrong with our church. You have to make sure I started first with God. First. Then, then here's what's cool. Then you use the stuff you do. I'm not saying be a hermit and never look at what like, good things come from psychology. No, but I go to psychology after I went to the Bible. Because the Bible will get me lined up right. 
And then I can do all the cool things that might be able to add on top of it. Get that ball to curve to the left, stop slicing to the right, make me want to throw stuff. Okay. Number two, godly comfort. Now, I'm going to give you a highlight. This is the one you won't like. Sorry. I'll come back and we'll hug at the end. Okay. Godly comfort gives us endurance. This is supernatural ability to, I know this sounds weird, maybe for a church, but to suffer well. To suffer well. I like what Paul says. He says, even when we're weighted down by troubles, it's for our comfort and our salvation. You're like, Paul, this is, no one, Paul, please, talk about what happened. Can you, can you write something like, when, when we get weighted down, God will show up miraculously and change it all in an instant. And he doesn't say that. He says, for when we ourselves are comforted, we will comfort you. And then he says, then, here's why, here's why. Can patiently endure. Everybody say endure. endure. Many of us see God as a giant problem solver. What if the thing that God is allowing in your life and causing you to suffer is the thing that's going to bring you to your potential? I know you want him to fix it. And I know you want him to remove it. I'm a seven personality on the Enneagram. Me by nature and how I'm wired hate pain. I run from it. Like I would prefer not to ever be in pain. I would just, I have no desire to do walk through pain. I'm not like a, you, you ever watch those like, um, those like social media, uh, like videos that are supposed to encourage you and empower you. And, and like, they're like inspirational things. And it's always some dude with his shirt off. Looks like he was chiseled out of granite. He's holding like, you know, like a weighted vest. He's running in the desert. He's got, pull, he's pulling an airplane tacked to a chain and he's got a smoothie in his hand and he's doing this, a selfie. And he's like, you got it in you. Just push through the pain. Pain is good. Everything is great. You're going to make it. Don't let life kill you. You kill life. And I'm like, block, block, block. I don't, that doesn't speak to me. You know what speaks to me? People who be like chilling on the beach with their toes in the sand doing nothing, talking about blessed life. That makes sense. That to me is godly comfort. But, but Paul says, hey, hey, wait, you got to endure some things. You got to learn how to suffer well in the kingdom. God invites us to die daily. This is so, isn't it so different than the world you and I live in? What everybody tells you? He invites us to pick up not our crown, to pick up our cross. And the last time I checked, the cross was a place of suffering and pain. In fact, the Romans perfected it. They were perfection on how to keep you alive longest in the history of mankind and make sure you tortured your, you were suffering. And Jesus invites you and I to that, to follow him. Paul says, you've got to learn to suffer well. 
My kids, I had them this summer rake some leaves for me in our yard. Do you remember what summer was like? Anybody? It was like Satan sponsored a beach party. Right? Do y'all remember how hot it was? It was like you just didn't go out of your house. But the man of God got some leaves on the ground. I got five kids. I don't know what kind of household you grew up in, but we had no gardener. I was the gardener. So I looked at my boys and I said, guess what you're going to do? You're going to get your shoes on. Y'all going to go outside. You're going to rake them leaves. And my sons are, how can I put this? They're hard workers. I'm not going to lie to you. They're hard workers. They got, they got a little bit of their dad in them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but they're not used to it. They live a, a right? Y'all, do your kids live like, in, 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 this is a generation of these kids, you know? I just got old enough to just say, like, back in my day, you either mug up hill both ways, no shoes, you know? But my kids are, they live a soft, cushy Nerf life. You know, they be, they sitting on their biscuit, never having to risk it. They just don't care. They chilling, chilling with their iced teas and, you know, Fortnite, all that. They, they easy. So they get out there and they start raking them leaves. They're out there about, I mean, a decent amount of time, about three and a half minutes. And they come in and they go, Dad. I'm like, yeah. And they go, look. <laughs> look. And he, he hurts on my hand. They got little blisties. They got little blisties on my hand. I said, oh, and I could feel my wife. She like in the corner, and you can tell. Y'all mamas are different than guys. Dads are different than mamas. Mamas, they see their babies, they be hurting. What do mamas do? <gasps> Let me go make some lemonade. Because <laughs> I told my wife, I said, look, if them teens be coming in here, you let dad, I got I to gotta handle business. Come here. Oh, come here with that hand. I said, Give me your hand. <laughs> hand a little bit. Get outside and rake a leaf. And the other two knew what was going on. They were already putting their gloves back on. They were like, <laughs> We were just checking on him. We were just checking on him. Get. So they rake the leaves. They come back in. Here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. They rake the leaves, they come back in, and they come up to me at the end, and they're, they're like, why did you make us do that? Why? You knew. You knew it was hurting us. You knew. 
I was in pain. You knew I was bleeding. You knew it was like you saw it. You felt it. Come on. It was like, God, I was suffering with my, my wife and my kids. And you, I was squeezing. I've been there. You saw it. And you did nothing. And matter of fact, it was like you encouraged me to stay in it. Because every prayer I asked you to remove this issue, and every time I talked to you about my kids, and every time I talked to you about my finances, and every time I talked to you about my health, you make no sense, God. You saw me bleeding. And you didn't save me. I looked at my sons. This is my conversation with my sons. I said, what you don't realize, what they don't know is that what happens when you do it and then you do it again and then you do it again. Now, I don't rake leaves at my house. <laughs> what I heard, what, anyway, I go to CrossFit, I go to the gym and what I realize is when I work, my hands get these things called, y'all know what? What are they called? Oh, I didn't hear you. What? Oh, calluses. Okay. So what happens is, is they get calluses and the calluses allow you to lift more. The calluses allow you to work more. The calluses allow you to stay in the game longer. The calluses allow you to, maybe, maybe, maybe they get some calluses and then they start a rake leaving business. Stop asking dad for allowance for living at the house just to get in. Last time I checked, you get free rent, you get free food, you get free air conditioning, you get free water, you get free my own sparkling waters. You walk up and drink, you take my shoes, you walk around with my socks on talking about them, your socks, them, my socks. I wrote my name on those socks. Take them off your feet. They could start and create something for themselves if they would just stay in it. I'm not a bad dad because I made them get calluses. God's not a bad God because he left you in your issue. God could be thinking about your potential. He could be thinking about you actually growing in your marriage. But you can't do it if you don't suffer well. That health challenge you have right now, maybe God let you face it so you can change some bad habits. Come on. Okay. Come on. Okay. Talking about God didn't heal me from this. Well, you, you ate terrible. And so you're going to have to suffer a little bit until you stop doing what? Eating terrible. Y'all hear Maybe, maybe that financial shortfall that God allowed to happen in your life is helping you reprioritize your money. We got to suffer well. We got to suffer well. Last one is this. By the way, before I move on, one last thought. Suffering well is not posting on, say, social media in the name of God asking for help. In our, in our staff, if there's an issue with the staff member, you don't process down, you don't process out, you process where? Yeah. You process where? Yeah. Because you, you processing with a subordinate about an issue you have in the organization, they can't help you. Right. You're their boss. Yeah. But who can help you? The, the boss. Yeah. So you processing out on social media in the disguise of a prayer request? 
after you just posted, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> Got to learn to suffer well. Rep the team well. We Christians, we were made for this. Paul was, Jesus set the tone. We suffer well. Last one is this and I'm done. Godly comfort gives us power. This is supernatural strength to rely on God, to rely on God, to rely on God. When I heard be strong in the Lord when I was growing up, I thought that meant you just need to suck it up, buttercup. You better be strong. Go lift them spiritual weights, right? Second Corinthians chapter one, Paul says, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. We think spiritual strength is the power, is godly's power, is like godly power to fix our issue. It's not, it's not, it's not. It's actually quite the opposite. Spiritual strength is the power to rely on God in every situation. It's actually the power to get out of the way. Some of us are such fixers, right? Or you're so anxiety ridden, you have to go do something to feel like you did something. And this should speak to you. No, no, it's me relying on the Lord. Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord. This is another letter from Paul saying, be strong in the Lord and mighty in the power. Being strong in the Lord is power to rely on God. And I can only rely, here's the truth though about that. I can only rely on someone I know. And it's, it, look, it'd be disrespectful or dishonoring for me to ask you to honor a God or rely on a God you don't even know. I'll give an example. I don't let, we don't let, my wife and I, we don't, we don't let our kids spend the night at people's houses. They've asked. No, we don't do that. And it's not that I don't know you. I just don't know you enough to rely on you and how you run your house. The days of those things, by the way, every statistic, every scientific, every Christian leader, parenting world, just so you know, just this might help somebody, just so you know, those days are over. I'm not saying you, can, you don't have to do it in your life or whatever. It's not Christian or it's a sin. I'm just saying wisdom. I'm just telling you, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. And so my, my sons don't do that. But you know where they do spend the night at? Grammy and grandpa's. And they love it because, you know, they get to eat everything they want to eat. It's like Thunderdome at that house. There's no rules. Y'all grandparents are crazy. Crazy. Y'all lost your mind. You forgot what it was like to parent. That's what it was. You forgot. I never let my mom and dad do stuff for my kids. They wouldn't have even pictured in their mind. I'm like, what are you doing with them? I ain't never had none of that. And they're like, well, you ain't them. <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> um, but I know them so I can rely on them to protect my sons. You need to know the Lord. Like know him, not know about him. Everybody knows about him. Demons know about him. I want you to know the Lord. Paul wants you to know the Lord. He wants you to go deep in the Lord. He wants you to read your Bible for real and get creative with it and not be legalistic about it. Maybe have the Bible read to you or, or go watch a Bible reading plan or, or go get a Bible translation you can actually understand. You'd be like, I got to read King Jimmy because that's the one that Jesus read. I'm like, King Jimmy went around with J Jesus. So like we get so many weird things from people. I've had people go, well, I can't, I want to pray, but I worship when I pray, but my, you know, I can't do it because that's not real prayer. My, who told you that? Well, my last pastor, I'm like, well, he was dumb because he couldn't pray like that because he probably couldn't sing. So like figure out a way 
Come on, y'all. Go deeper this year. Get to know the Lord. You can't rely on someone you don't know. You can't get his comfort if you don't know him because you can't rely on him. And how do you know his character of him stepping into your situation if you didn't know his character when things were good? got to read your Bible and I'm done with this. I, I wrote a prayer. I don't always do this. I felt prompted, if I'm honest. It's like, help us craft maybe a simple prayer. And I might, I might email this to the church and uh, maybe post this on social media, just kind of get it out there. But I just wrote this prayer in my prayer time. I was like, what kind of a prayer would I want to give somebody to start doing this when you're in a struggling situation? Because I know I made light of some of these things, but, but I know some of us are really struggling and you're in a real bad place right now. And I'm sorry for that. And God cares about that. We care about that. And so I'd love to give you a prayer based on maybe our sermon today that could help you do that. Would you, I mean, so we'll, we'll, we'll bow our head, we'll close our eyes, and, and maybe we could just repeat this after me, okay? Will everybody bow your head, close your eyes just, for just now. We're, we're gonna pray this prayer. This is a prayer for all of us to pray for the comfort of God. Everybody repeat after me. Say this, say, God, you know my current situation. There's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you wouldn't do for me. I ask you to give me the wisdom to know what to do. The endurance to not give up when it gets hard. And the power to rely on you that brings divine comfort in my life. Amen.